Lacusta, the golf card collector. I'm the administrator for the largest Facebook group for the golf card community called Golf Cards and Memorabilia. I like sports cards, you like sports cards, so let's talk about sports cards. Today we have something totally different on the show, and I'm going to rearrange the order of things by kicking off right away with the card of the week spotlight. And then we're going to be setting the stage for a couple of themes that I plan to explore over the next few months. First, a collecting versus investing debate. And second, the future of golf carts. And what does it look like for the next few years? So let's kick it off right now with the card of the week spotlight. And this is the man, Colin Morikawa, in honor of his recent win in Japan at the Zozo Championship. And for those of you who don't follow golf regularly, this is an important tournament. Tiger Woods set the record for, well, sorry, actually, he tied the record for the most wins on the PGA Tour at 82, tied with Sam Snead at the Zozo Championship. And this year, Colin Morikawa finally gets to break his slump because it had been a year and a half, I believe, maybe even two years since his last win after coming out hot on tour. And it's actually a slump that I had predicted back in January because although he is an absolute ball striker's dream, he was getting shaky in these tournaments. He was hot and cold. He would have a fiery round and then he would absolutely bomb with a 77. And recently in the last few months, there have actually been a handful of tournaments where he's held on and it looked like on Sunday he was in contention and he just quite couldn't quite pull it off. Colin finally pulled it all together in Japan and funny enough, he did it in that same fashion. I don't remember his exact scores, but I think it was a couple of low 60s, like a 63, 64, and uh, a couple of higher scores, like maybe even one over par. So uh, good job, Colin. The card of the week is 2021 Upper Deck Goodwin Champions, Colin Morikawa, Splash of Color Auto. And I absolutely love this card because the Splash of Color, to me, reminds me of the Color Blast uh, set by Panini which is a very high-end insert for basketball, soccer, football, all of these other sports. But of course, they don't have it for golf. And when Goodwin Champion started producing this splash of color, it definitely replicates that feeling. And what I love about this one is that it's also autographed in a bold blue paint ink pen. And for those of you who haven't seen, Colin Morikawa has one of the most stunning autographs. He and Bryson DeChambeau and Tiger Woods are basically, in my opinion, the big three when it comes to the aesthetics of their signatures. Now, I talked a bit about why I like the splash of color theme of this card. But the other thing that I really love about my exact copy is that it is an extremely rare version of this card because it is graded by PSA as a PSA Gem Mint 10. And I believe the pop count is something like three or four. So there are a few other copies of this card graded in a PSA 10 condition. But mine is the only copy that also has an autograph grade of 10. And the reason that's important is because it's the most prestigious version of this card that you can get. And Colin Morikawa, with such an intricate signature, actually oftentimes does not get a 10 grade on his autograph. In fact, I've seen some where he gets an 8 grade, which is absurd. So I'm going to throw up a picture of this on my golf card collector Instagram page. 
with the underscores in between the words. And let me know what you think of the card. My Pop 1 Colin Morikawa Splash of Color Autograph card. And this is also from his rookie year. Even though the card doesn't say rookie on it, it's a rookie autograph card. So I, I definitely overpaid for this card pretty early on when Goodwin Champions came out. But having graded it and it being the only copy with this grade, I'm happy to keep it. And I, I think it, it maintains its value. All right, I teased earlier that I'm going to be doing something very different with this episode. So earlier this year, I collaborated with my friend Paul Hickey from NoOffSeason.com on a golf card focused show. And it was hosted on his sports card strategy show network. I'm sharing episode two, which published back in February of the golf card strategy show. And if you want to check it out or any of the other episodes uh, or any of other Paul's other channels, you can find them on all of those platforms. Now, Paul is known for his content surrounding the investment side of sports cards. And as you know, I'm all about the collecting rather than flipping. And I've got some ideas about collaborating with Paul and his network of sports card investors to make a collector versus investor debate. Now, that could be an episode or it could be a series. It just depends on how it goes and if you guys enjoy it because this show is all about you. Now, I'll throw out some possible debate topics to the community on my Instagram stories. And I need your feedback about which topic would result in the most interesting debate between a sports card investor, flipper, and a pure collector. So this episode sets that stage to give context of who the heck we are. And if you like investing content, then check out the Sports Card Strategy Show and get the heck off of funneling cardboard. No, I'm just kidding. You can like them both. What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. You are in the Sports Card Strategy Show feed, but this is the Golf Card Strategy Show Episode 2. I'm happy to be here with Mike LaCousta, who uh, absolutely carried the Golf Card Strategy Show Episode 1. He's got a ton of knowledge on golf cards. We talk about golf card investing, but also collecting. And I'm excited to get into it with you again, Mike. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going well. Um, I'm super pumped for Tiger to play this weekend at the Genesis Invitational. Um, everybody knows Tiger Woods has been uh, on a long road of recovery with his right leg that was pretty badly damaged in that car accident. And he's talked about difficulties walking. But the exciting thing is he says he can hit the ball and swing just as good as ever. So I'm excited to see him tee it up this weekend at uh, Riviera. That's awesome, man. Now you're the golf cart expert here. You, you know, I played golf as a kid and, and through high school, I still play a little bit of golf and, and I, I, I used to follow golf very, very closely and I don't anymore. And so this might be a dumb question, but is he allowed, hmm. is he allowed to take a cart with his injury or does it depend so, on the tournament? That's a really good question. So, um, technically, yes, he is allowed to, um, maybe someday he will. Um, but Tigers said publicly time and time again that he is not going to take a cart. And I'm not sure. I think it's his ego. I think if he were to win a major or, or win a tournament, just riding along as uh, on like a cripple uh, card or whatever, like yeah. he just wouldn't be able to do that um, uh, mentally. But interesting. Yeah. Well, um, 
like John Daly is a good example who um, I forget what it was a few years ago. He played uh, the open in, in uh, Great Britain uh, riding, <laughs> riding in one of those carts with like a cigarette and a McDonald's cheeseburger. So oh um, I think it's Tiger so just doesn't want to Tiger doesn't want to devolve into something like that. <laughs> That's hilarious. John Daly, man. What classic. Um, yeah, I guess that that's interesting because um, so you can get a medical dispensation or whatever. I'm I'm sure they have a name for it with the cart. That's good. I think that's fair. I think also, I, I mean, I'm not speaking for Tiger, obviously, but I'm thinking maybe it has something to do with, like, I know I've been I've been injured, like just my like minor injuries and stuff. And so when I'm stretched out versus sitting. Um, like for example, driving hurts my back, right? So like mm. if I'm walking 18, I don't have to carry my clubs. I'm pr my back's probably going to feel better. And thus my legs are probably going to feel better because of that. So I wonder if it, it could be related to just being, being looser, uh, and not, you know, not getting tight on the cart. Um, but who knows, right? I mean, it, but you're right. I mean, it's exciting that he's coming back. That's super cool. I know that's something you want to talk about today. So we're going to get into that. Um, You've got a you've got a great agenda for us here in terms of like we're gonna talk a little bit about not only Tiger and his cards heading into the Genesis Invitational this weekend, but um, RPAs for some ultra modern players, which is uh, we kind of got into that at the end of last episode. Um, mm -hmm. You've got a great list for us. I um, wanted to share some uh, some feedback from a listener, uh, Bruce Holland Bruce Holling Drake. Uh, he runs a he runs a, I think like a hockey card store, um, and I believe he's in Canada as well. I know you're in Canada, Mike. But he said, "Hey guys, well done. I just wanted to say that I enjoyed the golf card strategy show, and I'm really looking forward to episode two. Been a golfer since the '80s, card collector since before that, and now considering golf collecting. He bought a 1926 Bobby Jones a couple of weeks ago. He said, not a bad way to start. Love the insight on today's players. So that's Bruce Holling Drake. He's a hockey guy, but also a golf guy. So Bruce, shout out. Hopefully you're." enjoying this episode of the golf card strategy show with mike and i mike what do you think about the bobby jones 1926 you familiar with that yeah that's a, a solid play um we you mentioned last or you asked me last time if i've been collecting any vintage golf and i haven't uh but bobby jones is is going to be the first vintage card i buy um i don't know if the 26 is necessarily his rookie card i i i'm not super up to date on that a lot of my Facebook group members um, for golf cards and memorabilia uh, do collect vintage golf. And I see a lot of their posts. So I've definitely seen that card. Um, personally speaking, I really like the look of the, um, uh, what is that? Uh, the Bubblegum Sports Kings one, like the, with, with just like that, you know, uh, standout yellow background with just like an athlete um, uh, from the torso to the head. Um, and it's a multi-sport set. So you can get like, lots of baseball and basketball players. Um, so there's a pretty cool Bobby Jones. Uh, I think it's from, what is that? 1931 or 33 sport Kings. Um, so that, that's something I've kind of been keeping my eye on in terms of a vintage Bobby Jones card. Um, but I'm sure after doing some research, you'd want to find out what his proper rookie card is. And that's probably the safest investment. Um, so 26 is definitely older. So that could be his rookie. Uh, but that's great. I mean, uh, Bobby Jones, Gene Sarazen, um, 
Walter Hagen, um, Ben Hogan. Uh, there, there's lots of uh, legends of the game that are you know no longer around that would be some pretty cool cards to collect those are some names for sure man that's uh that's that's true um yeah bobby jones uh it's listed as the 1926 is listed as a rookie card i see a couple listings here on ebay there's a cga7 near mint um is C so cga is that a grading company? Like, is that a grading company you're familiar with by any chance? Card grading. Oh, it's cardgradingaustralia.com. I thought maybe it had something to do with Canada, but no. Okay. So, I, I would say no. Um, yeah, so in Canada, we have one or two. Um, we, I think we have two grading companies. And I don't know if reputable is the right word I would use for them. Um, you see some of their slabs around at local shows or local stores, but those would be mint which is mnt okay and they have like a little green leaf as their logo and the second one is ksa ksa yeah i've heard of yeah. them they seem reputable to me reputable in the sense that um you could trust their grades to be within one or two one or two grade levels of of psa or beckett um you know they're not going to give you a psa six in a 10 slab um so i i trust them in this yeah. in, in, to get you in the right ballpark yeah um but I wouldn't put them anywhere near PSA, BGS, SGC, um, CGC, or or CSG, or whatever that gotcha. company's called. That, that's good information. Yes, yeah, CSG. So here's, um, I think this is the Bobby Jones that uh, we were talking about a second ago from from Doug. I think um, it's RT Jones, but Bob Bobby Jones, uh, Robert. Tyre Jones, Bobby Jones, so RT mm -hmm. there. Um, pretty cool card, man. Um, I think this is the one that uh, we were referring to. And then here's a 1927 RT, Bobby Jones, uh, Churchman Cigarettes, PSA 5. So What's the price on that? Uh, well, it's listed at uh, $449 US dollars. Buy it now. So I don't know, this is not a comp or anything. And then this one, this is the one that's listed as a rookie. And this one's listed at 1750 US dollars. But I don't it, it or or best offer. So I haven't looked up comps. So I, I'm not saying that that's uh that anyone listening should go out and pay mm -hmm. that much for it. In fact, you probably should pay less because there is that or best offer. And a lot of times we don't know, may, sometimes the seller's willing to accept half of the as low as half of the best offer. I've always mm -hmm. heard that. Um, but anyway, um cool pretty stuff. uh pretty do, do cool your, there. Do your research before you buy any vintage stuff. Um honestly uh, go to our facebook group golf cards and memorabilia and throw out a post just saying what are some cool entry-level um vintage golf cards if you're a collector if you're an investor that wants to put in a bit more money um you know just you could even ask and or i could put up a post asking our community what's the best investment for vintage cards and we can talk about that on another podcast um yeah, that'd be great and by the way, um, I don't think we'll be able to get into Tiger today. We just got so much to talk about, I think, on the, the ultra modern guys. So let, let's chat more about Tiger, I think, um, in episode three. And then okay. before we get into what I wanted to talk about with the ultra modern RPAs, um, I also want to show a couple pickups. So I mentioned last episode, I'm a Matthew Wolf collector. So uh, I got a couple of Matt Wolf cards. So 
Last time I think I showed you a Tony Finau um, Star Rubies card. So here's a Matthew Wolf Star Rubies. The um, the Tony Finau had kind of like a, a orange brown kind of tinge. The Matthew Wolf has a greenish tinge. So it's kind of cool. They got different colors, but uh, the vintage or sorry, the the retro Star Rubies are all numbered out of fifty um, on the back there and really cool cards. It's a throwback to, uh, I want to say like 97 or 98 styling. Um, yeah, it so kind of looks like a PMG, like a yeah, yeah, PMG exactly. from that era. Throwback How much did you pay for that? The Matthew Wolf? That one. So, I mean, Matthew Wolf kind of falling off the map after making a switch to live, um, meant his card prices have, have plummeted, which is great for me because I'm his collector. And, uh, that one, I also snagged on a deal because it was a Canadian auction and I find um, American or international buyers don't necessarily have their settings to, to, they have it as like a default USA only, or, um, you know, another issue they might face is that it might have a higher shipping cost to ship from Canada to the U S. So when I saw it and I saw it was from a Canadian shipping location, I, th I thought, okay, this is, I'm going to win this auction. And, um, and sure enough, I paid only like, I want to say like $3 Canadian plus $4 shipping. So I, think I was like $7. And normally I'm trolling through US auctions and I'm the one that has to pay extra. And then I'm going to do a, a whole um, summary maybe um, on how I buy my cards because mm -hmm. as a Canadian, there's a, there's a big struggle um, having to use like vaulting services, um, ship my cards. Yeah. Um, having to let things accumulate before you ship it back to you to save on shipping costs, things like that. So we'll talk about that more later. That would but, be interesting um, because we we talked about that on the sports card strategy show this morning. Actually, um, mm. being being a question came from some folks in the UK, and I I mentioned uh, your I mentioned you and some other people in Canada, and I I thought you could probably add some you know that you might be dealing with some of the same challenges, so you could probably add some some of that. But oh, yeah, I know you a want friend to get of mine, a friend of mine was asking for some advice and um, I just was sending him text after text after after text of my whole process. And he's like, dude, you should write a book about this. <laughs> I said, for sure. It would probably be easier just to talk about it on a video so that if people who are interested and want to get into the hobby, that the thing is there's, uh, we'll get into it more later, but there's a threshold of how much you buy. So if, if you know, if, if you're, if, if you're buying a certain amount of volume, I don't know what the threshold is, but you you've got to be buying cards weekly for it to kind of like make sense to okay. to use services that charge fees in order for you to do this. But anyways, yeah, let's talk about that more later. I'll, I got two more PC cards here to to show off. Well, two PC cards, one that's semi investment, another Matthew Wolf. This one is um, from the um, oh, 2021 Upper Deck uh, Metal Champions, Metal Universe Champions. So it's a multi sport set similar to Goodwin Champions. Uh, first year of the set. This one is kind of like the spark. You can't really see it in the, in the video. It's got like a sparkly kind of finish. It's numbered yeah. at $2.99. So that's a pretty sweet, sweet Matthew Wolf card. And then last but not least, actually last and uh, best, uh, Colin Morikawa, PMG, blue yes. numbered out of 25. Wow. So this one... Um, it's a car that was an auction, not this exact number. It was a different number out of 25, um, two months ago. Similar stories of Matthew Wolf. It was from a Canadian auction house. And I thought to myself, I want to, I want to win this because, um, uh, my major competitors in the U S aren't, might not be bidding on it. 
So I put, I think a max bid of a hundred dollars Canadian and it sold for like one Oh two fifty. So somebody had a higher number than me on their bid. And I was really pissed. So I saw this one come up for auction and it was actually a person that I knew. Um, so I contacted him directly and I said, Hey, end your auction. I want to buy this card from you. So, um, I paid him, you know, slightly more than the last one sold for. Um, he was happy to get more than recent comps and I was happy to get the card that I missed out on. So yeah, definitely. That is beautiful. Yeah. Thank that you. Yeah. Cool. You can see yeah. numbered out of 25 on the back there. So, That's so nice. um, yeah, I paid, I think 110 shipped within Canada. So, um, Canadians, that's only 70 to $75 us. Um, honestly, I think this card could easily be worth double that. A, yeah, a blue PMG numbered out of 25. I was going to say, if you, if you were to like bring that to a card show in the States, uh, at the right time, or if you were to just list it at the right time on eBay, um, I think you could double that for sure. Yeah. Now that's not really my objective, but I may end up doing it just in order to keep cascading into bigger and bigger cards. Sure. Um, we talked about this last time. I'm pretty much buying PC cards until I don't have any money left. And then I start selling them, trying to pinpoint in my collection, what cards I could sell for more than I bought for so that I'm not only kind of turning over my PC, but also, you know, growing it in value. doesn't always work. Sometimes it does. That's when I think it will work out. Um, but Hey, let's talk more about some ultra modern cards. Um, yeah. I, so in my little, uh, summary that I sent you just before we, we met today, I had, uh, four different sets that I want to talk about. Um, they're, they're all 2021 sets. So it's, it's, it's kind of that new era of golf cards. Um, cause remember we didn't, we, we didn't get any golf cards between 2014 and 2021. So, uh, we had three pure golf sets and one, actually technically two multi-sport sets only one of them that i really want to talk about um so the three golf sets were upper deck artifacts golf uh sp game used and sp authentic and they were released in that order um just to give a little bit of summary of those three sets artifacts in my opinion is the true rookie cards of these guys and so i also think of the rpas the rookie patch autos as the RPA of these golfers. Um, when you get into the nuance though, the problem is that artifacts and SP game used were sticker autos. So not ideal in terms of, you know, I, everybody prefers to have an on-card auto. Mm -hmm. The only exception is um, they have leaderboard cards, which is, um, you know, in, in other sports where you can get patch cards that have the, the spell the player's name out. So mm -hmm. have like one letter on each card. Yeah. Um, so we have that in, in I think it was SP game used where um, it, it, it's like a plexi plastic kind of thing. And the golfers or the players actually sign directly on that. So that's not a sticker auto. Um, and so there are rookies that have that in SP game used. But other than that, all of the stickers from those two sets were all the autos were stickers. SP authentic was on card autos. So um they're all considered rookies rookie autos and rookie patch autos personally i like to collect and invest in the artifacts because they came out first um before i get into some of them i'm curious what your thoughts are on that like if if uh if basketball or or or, or f1 or whatever sports you follow come out with multiple sets 
do you consider all of them being the rookie card, all of them being the the rookie autos and rookie patch autos, um, or are there just certain sets, even if they come out later, you consider that being like the iconic rookie patch auto? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, so I'll try to break it down quickly, but um, in, say, F1 and uh, like Bowman baseball prospecting, I would say that, pretty much the chrome like the bowman chrome first uh in baseball and then the tops chrome nf1 would be like the true rookie and people in the comments can kind of either validate this or 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 chime in um but like the sapphire edition of each of those would be like technically also a rookie card uh or a bowman bowman chrome first sapphire edition for baseball would technically still be like a first but typically they're not going to be as sought after as the actual first one. So it's kind of like, it's like they're acknowledged as rookies, but they're not necessarily as desirable. Basically that's mm. the best way to put it. And I think in basketball and football, there's some similar equivalents. Like you now have rookie patch autos or RPAs in like almost every set. Um, and, mm. but there's only typically one that's acknowledged as like the true RPA. And typically that comes out of a set for basketball and football, like either flawless or, or immaculate or national treasures. And I think, um, and it may, there may even be true RPAs for all of those, but, um, I don't know the criteria off the top of my head. I'd have to, I'd have to do some research on it. So essentially the, the short answer is like, there is sort of a true, like a truer rookie, but they all are acknowledged as rookies and they're all valuable. Um, you'll see like, you, you won't get much debate on people saying, uh, this is not a Bowman Chrome first, if it literally says first Bowman on it. Um, and you won't get a debate really if people say, if, if, if it has RC on it and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be listed as rookie card, say on eBay or a different auction, and nobody will have a beef with that. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, there will probably be one or two that will be more desirable than the rest. So, uh, and then in terms of golf, like I was just going to add, cause um, it's a great, the, the way that you broke it down is perfect. I would say like as a basketball guy and, and an other sport guy, like ba basically basketball, football, baseball are my main sports. And then F1, soccer uh, are kind of my other two that I've really gotten into and considered like pr pretty well-versed in those. But um, as a basketball guy, like the SP authentic brand of Upper Deck like is equated to like LeBron and Jordan. And so to have, yeah. to have the SP authentic in the mix for golf, for guys like obviously Tiger and even like Morikawa and, and some of the other more ultra-modern guys, like... I would immediately gravitate towards the SP authentic just because it's like of the brand recognition of some of the deals that like Jordan and LeBron have. And mm. I think even Kobe might have some SP authentic stuff. Um, so anyway, that you're absolutely right. And when I collected basketball back in the early two thousands, uh, SP authentic was, you know, that, that's, that was kind of the baseline set. And, um, uh, I mentioned these three sets that were, um, just golf, the fourth set, that we're going to talk about a little bit is um, a subset of Upper Deck Goodwin Champions. They actually released retro exquisite rookie autos. Um, it's only for two two players. Okay. Um, so actually, you know what? Why don't we start with that one? That's the oddball. We'll just take a quick look at those only those two exact cards, and then we'll we'll dive into the other golf stuff. 
Um, but before I forget, um, you're correct. SP Authentic is the more desirable one in, in terms of golf. And Upper Deck was smart with how they released this. So they came out with Artifacts first, which was a little bit of a, a new set. They had never had an Artifacts golf set before. But there was this hunger for golf cards, so they knew people would buy it. So whether or not it was a desirable product in the long run, they knew people would, would eat it right up. Then SP Game Used is a more traditional set. They decided to release it second because it's not as desirable as SP Authentic. But if they released it, people would, you know, still be hungry for more stuff. And if they released it after SP Authentic, people would probably still be chasing SP Authentic. Yeah, that makes sense. So that kind of makes sense how they released those three sets. Me as a collector, I'm just kind of obsessed with artifacts. Um, yeah. Partly because it was the first one. I ripped a couple hobby boxes. I've got some really good memories, some really cool cards from it. So that's kind of my set. Um, so maybe don't take my investment advice uh we'll, we'll talk about some artifacts cards in a little bit but hey let's jump over to um goodwin champions um i don't know if the cards will actually be featured on the cardboard connection site um yeah it looks like so you said it's a multi-sport site so what we're looking at right now is just photos of of the other sports but um, yeah exactly but talk about the golf guys. So it's $99 for a hobby box. So if you're looking for golf, who are you trying to pull here? So there's Matthew Wolf, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa. Um, and, and actually, so they've got a, a pretty wide variety of, of cards. They don't just have those, that particular exquisite retro card that I was talking about. They also have like um, uh, base autos, horizontal autos, uh, Gaudi or Goody, Goody yeah. autos, um, splash of color autos, which is actually one of my favorites. It kind of looks like a color blast with an on-card auto underneath with, um, with like an ink pen, not just like a kind of a lame auto, but like it really stands out. Um, actually I have a Colin Morikawa splash of color, um, PSA 20. <laughs> um, so like a PSA 10 and 10 auto. Nice. I've never, I like that. I've never heard PSA 20 before. <laughs> Here's that card right now. So Colin ooh, Morikawa, ooh. look at that, that blue awesome. ink pen auto 1010. Yes. Um, one of my favorite, actually, yeah, my favorite Colin Morikawa card that I have. So um, I'm I jealous of that one. <laughs> thanks. I overpaid for the card because I bought it maybe a month or two months after release. But the fact that I submitted and got a PSA 1010 means whatever value it's dropped, I think I've made up for in the fact that it's probably a low pop card. A lot of guys that are submitting a PSA don't necessarily do the dual service where you get the auto grade and the card grade. Yeah. And the fact that it's a gem mint on both is pretty phenomenal. So one of my favorite PC cards, um, and it's from that 2021 Goodwin Champions set. So um, not necessarily for a purist golf collector, um, an ideal card, uh, because it came from a multi-sport set instead of a pure golf set, but um, but I really like it. Um, now, if you don't mind, um, go over to eBay and mm -hmm. on the search bar, um, type in 2021 Exquisite Auto Morikawa, and there might not be any for sale or listed right now, so you may have to then go to the sold listings. And because I know one did sell within the last month or two, um, so you'll at least be able to to, to see it. Um, and and what you're going to find is um, just a beautiful white 
um, uh, I don't like using the word plain, but like simpling, simplistic styling with just like a box in the top of the card that you is going to be reminiscent of like the LeBron James rookie auto card that's so popular. Um, you see what I mean? Like that. I love it. Exquisite rookie auto with just that beautiful autograph. I like his signature um, too. Oh, he and and we're also going to talk a little bit about Bryson DeChambeau, um, who's not as um, uh, hot these days because he left PGA Tour for live. He's also only won one major, whereas Morikawa has two. Um, but I just love the styling. It kind of feels like the um, what are those big sets in basketball, like National Treasures, or yes, it does um, feel like a National Treasures or 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 flawless. Yeah, flawless, exactly. So it's it's that ultra premium style of rookie auto. Um so there's there's this Colin Morikawa and there's a Bryson DeChambeau and those are the only two players that have this card. Um I'm a huge fan of this. Actually, Paul, you and I were exchanging some messages like last fall and this one was on auction. I think I sent you a note saying, "Hey man, if if you are interested in like following some golf cards, keep an eye on this auction." Um, yeah. at that time, prices were a little higher. I think, I think it's, it sold for over a grand. And if you look at this one, the auction ended at $520. So it's good that neither of us bid it on it at that time, but, um, but they're rare, right? They're numbered out of 49. So, and the fact that you can only get Colin and Bryson means, you know, if you're a golf collector, there's literally only 98 uh, of this retro exquisite type cards that you can get. I wonder like. I, I, this price point is attractive to me, you know, 520 us dollars. And it's just such a nice card numbered mm. out of 49 with the on card auto knowing Morikawa could still win quite a few tournaments, mm. you know, should, should still win quite a few tournaments in his career. And, 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 you know, he can get hot. Right. So, um, wondering if this is something where you try to get a card in a BGS nine ten, and, crack the slab and submit it to PSA, even getting a, even getting a PSA nine, 10, um, typically in other sports ups the value of the card immediately. Is that something that translates over to the golf collecting community? What's um, it's a great question. So, uh, before I, I talk about if that's a good move for the golf community, I, I'll, I'll warn you that cracking and resubbing is a risky game, especially once you get it in the higher end cards you have to um, look at the subgrades. It's actually a benefit that it's BGS in this case for two reasons. One, BGS has that inner sleeve, which protects the card when you're cracking it. Because um, I've actually cracked some PSA cards um, within the last, oh, probably three or four weeks ago. And luckily, one card was worth like well over a grand that I cracked. The other one was about a $150 card. $150 card got slightly damaged as I cracked it because um, it was they were both PSA slabs and PSA kind of shatters and sends these little pit, bits of plastic down onto the card. When you're cracking a BGS slab, it's got the inner um, penny sleeve. So when you're cracking, the card theoretically should be a little bit safer. And I have cracked I cracked a Tiger Woods uh, 2001 rookie card out of a BGS slab, and and I can confirm they are actually a lot safer um, nice. to do that. So so you want to look at the subs though. So this one has a surface 9.5 is great. Um, that means there's no dents or whatever. Um, corners nine, uh, centering nine, edges nine five. Mm, that's actually a good candidate uh, for subbing to PSA because you've got all subs are nine or better. Um, what I would be looking out for is if one of the subs is an eight five, um, PSA could 
in a flash turn that into a PSA eight. Okay. And 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 in in some cases, um, depending on like if it's a if it's a corner eight five, and you know you look at the card and you realize actually like two or three of the corners have some dings or fraying and whatever, um, BGS might say, yeah, it's two or three corners, they're not that bad, so it gets an eight five. Whereas PSA might look at that and say, mm, that qualifies it for a seven. And, and right. so you have to be really um, aware of the nuanced grade levels for both companies that you're trying to trying to swap it between. So um, your question about the golf community, um, generally speaking, we all know that PSA carries a premium in terms of resale value. Um, and, and that's relatively true for golf cars as well. Um, similar to some old school baseball collectors though, there are actually some modern golf card collectors who prefer BGS and they like the subgrades. Um, and when I say modern, I mean, 2001 and newer. And so, uh, you know, I've got, I, I know a guy named Mike, um, who's got an epic golf collection. So shout out Mike, if you're listening to this. Um, I'm not going to throw out your IG handle cause I don't, I don't know if you want people, um, sleuthing you, but anyways, he, he's got like tiger rookies, Jack Nicholas rookies out the wazoo and everything he has is graded with BGS. And he's got a collection of hundreds of BGS nine fives that, um, you know, I, I don't even know the value of this collection, but it, it's really impressive. And, and he's not the only guy like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of baseball collectors that have all their stuff um, invested in BGS, and um, to think they can't change their ways. Not only would it cost the, you know, fifteen or twenty dollars to submit each card to PSA, but then they're going to get upcharged on everything if they've got a pretty high end collection too. So they're pretty much stuck with a BGS collection. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean. Is it a play with that exact card? I would actually say yes. Um, but I, I wouldn't say, like, generally speaking, if you see a, a golf cart in a BGS lab, that you could just uh, swap it over to PSA and make some money. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. Well, what uh, what set did you want to go to next or what? what so well. so um, before I move on, I'll also mention, so that Morikawa card we just looked at, um, there actually are RPA versions of it. Um, I haven't seen any come across on eBay. I've seen some on Instagram. Um, I forget their guy's handle, but there's somebody I'm connected with who's got the Colin Morikawa. I think it's out of, out of five or 10 or something like that. And it's got the beautiful signature, the same image, but it also has a, a patch, like a three color patch in the middle of the card. So, um, and these cards weren't actually part of the original, um, Goodwin Champions checklist. So they might have come from the E packs, or they may have just been a surprise that they kind of threw into the set. Um, so moving on, let's talk about artifacts. Um, so we'll go in chronological order. Um, the card I want you to pull up is actually a card I purchased last week. So right, let's go. go on to eBay. Um, we can talk about my other recent pickup. Uh, so 2021 Upper Deck Artifacts. Bryson DeChambeau. Um, what would it call? I think it's called Dual Relic. Technically, it's called Dual Relic Auto. So see if that pulls anything up. Um, this is a card that I bought 
for a few reasons. Um, when Artifacts first came out, this card was selling for thousands of dollars. <laughs> Is it this one right here? This uh, that's, eight, out of 85? Uh, no, actually. Okay. So that's the same card. Number eight, I bought the one out of 10. So if you actually go to the sold listings, so um, I want to talk about them. That's actually a card that's more attainable probably for our listeners, but let's look at... Um, uh, can you put out of 10, actually? Yeah. Um, so the number out of 85 um, on the artifacts checklist is kind of like the base RPA for kind of like the higher-end golfers, the higher-end players. So guys like Bryson, Morikawa, Wolf at the time was considered high-end, um, Justin Thomas, uh, Tony Finau. Those guys are all going to have their base RPA numbered out of 85. Yeah, this is the one I bought. Um, and then they've got a more lower numbered card out of 10. And so I bought this Bryson DeChambeau out of 10. If you look at his auto there, it definitely rivals Morikawa's. Yeah, it's very nice signature. Um, the patch is cool too. Cool what? patch. Yeah. And so this is called the gold parallel of the RPA. The other one is, I think, like a silver. I don't know if they refer to those colors or not, but that's the actual scheme on the card. Um, and I, I was just, I loved this card when Artifacts came out two years ago. And it was like a dream card that I couldn't even imagine owning because it was worth thousands. It was selling for thousands. And I picked this card up for, I think, 160 bucks or something like that. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. already graded. I mean, 8.5 isn't necessarily the best grade. But I mean, it's near mint, mint plus or near mint plus. Um, I think the lowest grade on there was an eight on the subgrades, um, and auto ten. So you know the auto doesn't you know have any funny business on it. And ultimately, this is kind of one of those cards that's going to sit in my PC because I always wanted a high end Bryson DeChambeau card. And if it doesn't go up in value, no problem, it's my card. And if Bryson wins a bunch of live events or if live falls apart, he comes back and crushes it on the pga or even regardless of all that if he just wins another one or two majors i feel like paying 160 bucks for his first rpa numbered out of 10 could easily double if you know the stars align it seems like a no-brainer i love it great play mike and i think like for everyone out there too it's like mike knows that if he if he if he sold this card, like if he needed to sell this card or like just got sick of it or whatever, like I think he'd at least get his money back or like worst case scenario, maybe 80% of his money back. And th that's the thing I love about sports card investing is that you can buy something and then essentially return it later <laughs> and mm -hmm. make someone's day and still kind of and, and like you had it for a while. So you had the you had the joy of having it. You had the the uh adrenaline rush of like you know getting it in the mail opening it all that good stuff and showing it off talking about it but then if you ever really need money i mean you could probably like worst case scenario get 80 80 to 85 percent of your money back for this and still have had the enjoyment of owning it and then make someone else's day for you know for selling it to them so I think like all of what you walked through is is like probably more likely to happen than what I'm saying. But I think just kind of wanted to remind everybody out there that, you know, take taking a chance on cards like this, you get some enjoyment out of it and you can always get your money back if you need to, for the honestly, most part. Honestly, Paul, I would even say um, I'm I'm a more of a realist than that. I would say 
Um, Bryson has had a little bit of an injury history. Like he broke his wrist or something like that. Uh, he, it, was, it wasn't golf related. I think he slipped and fell or something. Um, but I mean, he's put on a lot of weight, uh, a lot of weight lifting. Um, he put on like 45 pounds during, went, went between when COVID first shut down the PGA tour and they shut down for like six months, he came back like 40 or 45 pounds heavier. And, um, you know, that puts a stress on your body. So, um, I think he's going to be playing golf for a long time because he was nicknamed the scientist. He's done so many innovative things for golf. When he first joined the tour, I was a big Bryson fan. He was, he kind of had my figure, like not a big guy. Uh, but he was trying to figure out how to hit the ball farther. He was the first guy to play. Uh, I don't know if he's the first guy to play single length irons, but he was the first one to have a lot of success with single length irons. So he doesn't, his, his pitching wedge is like the same length as his five iron. Um, he uses these like big fat, like super stroke type grips on his irons, which is so weird. People prefer to have narrow grips with like a good feel on them. Um, what else was Bryson doing? Uh, and then he put on those 40, 45 pounds because he was kind of like analyzing the game, realized uh, accuracy, which was kind of the name of the game, get it in the fairway so you can throw a dart from there. Wasn't really the objective when he looked at the stats. He said, get it as close to the green as possible. And even if I'm in the rough, as long as I'm not behind a tree, I should be able to chip it close and, and putt for birdie. And uh, that's how he overpowered Wingfoot um, for his U.S. US Open major championship. He was the only one to shoot under par. I think he was like five or six under and everybody else. Actually, Matthew Wolf came second, I think, uh, at even par. Um, so that's kind of the era of golf that I was really flourishing in. But um, So I, I think he's such an innovator in the game. I think he'll continue doing that. I don't think he's going to retire in the next 10 years because of all this Saudi money that he's gotten from Live Golf. I think he's going to keep playing because he loves the game. And um, so a card like this, I think is a safe investment, but I'm a realist. And I was talking to my friend the other day and I said, this is a card that if Bryson does vanish off the face of the planet could drop down to 40 bucks. And if that mm -hmm. happens, you know, I lost 75% of my investment, but I've still got a card that I like. It's numbered out of 10. So where am I going to find another one? You, right. I, yeah. Are the other nine of them going to get hit eBay? And maybe not, probably not. So I just saw it as an opportunity to get a card that I would really like. Um, I don't think it's going to drop down to 40 bucks. Um, so when you think of it that way, the way you put it, you got an out of 10 card for 155 us dollars and, and it's, and it's a legit, legit player in their sport. So, and, and that, and I don't know, like I don't have a, I've never had a, a that low of a serial numbered card. Like, I mean, I think out of, out of 50, is the lowest I've ever had in any sport. And it's like a $400 card raw. So it's, <laughs> so it's, it's a good, I think this is a good play, man. I like it. Beautiful cool. card. Speaking of low numbered, I actually purchased a Matthew Wolf one of one a couple of weeks ago. I spent way too much money on it, but um, I, I was, I was having some luck selling some stuff on, on eBay and stuff and on Facebook groups. So I decided to treat myself anyway. I don't have it with me to show you, sorry. Um, so to finish off artifacts, RPAs, um, you know, if you don't mind, go on eBay and just let's look up. I mean, we were talking about Tony, Tony Finau last episode. So just pull up the Tony Finau dual relic uh, rookie patch auto because I think you'll find one that's numbered out of 85. Um, the tier two or tier three or whatever version um, uh, other rookies. So you've got like Abraham answer, Siwoo Kim, 
um, Michael Thompson. Um, there, there's like a whole bunch of rookies, probably like 30, 25 or 30 rookies in the set. Um, so the five that we keep talking about are the ones that are going to be numbered out of 85 and the premium version numbered out of 10. Um, but all the, there's actually a lot of other rookies you could collect and invest in that are numbered out of uh, numbered out of 149 is kind of the base RPA. And then the more premium one is out of 25. Um, so keep scrolling. There's some artifacts I mean, gold out of 25. Yeah, that's an Orem signatures. So you can tell there's a lot of different types yeah. of autos in artifacts. Um, keep scrolling. I mean, diamond out of 49. There it is right there. Out of 15 right here. No, no, keep it's the one at the bottom of your screen out of, out of, uh, yeah, that one right there. Out of 85. Yeah, out of eighty-five. So, so this is um, this is kind of the tier that is more affordable. Um, typically, they've got just one color patches, um, and then instead of like a gold foiling on the left side of the card, they've got more of like a silver foiling. So, I have um, this card for uh, Maverick McNeely. There's another actually up and coming rookie who who's got good potential. I've got his um, out of 149. Um, who else do I have? Uh, actually, I have a uh, Nikolai Hodgegaard out of 149 dual patch auto. So, you know, depending on who you collect, who you like, you can get some of these. Actually, you can get some of these for kind of like the tier two golfers for literally like five bucks for an RPA numbered out of 149. Yeah, because so this came out in 2021. So now, I mean, basically, we've had two years for the pre for like the initial hype to kind of settle down and for the market yeah. to settle. So now you can go, like you're saying, snipe some some sleepers, right? So you mentioned a couple of guys uh, just now that were that are interesting. Um, like, put you on the spot here. Like, who would you what what sleepers for five to ten bucks would you try to target? So. Um... I would, and, and this is going to be biased because I'm Canadian, but there's two really good golfers out of Canada that I, I speak really highly of, um, Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin. Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin were sharing the lead after the first round of the Waste Management um, this last weekend. Um, and then after round, I, I think they were sharing the lead after round one and round two, uh, or going into the weekend, both of them were either first or second. Um, then Adam didn't have a great weekend, but Nick Taylor actually was pretty much co-leading with Scotty Scheffler for the whole weekend. And, um, he ended up coming runner up solo second to Scotty Scheffler and Scotty Scheffler's world number one golfer. Yeah. So, I mean, a guy like Scotty's going to win tournaments. So, um, you know, if Scotty had, a, had an off day, Nick Taylor would have won a pretty, pretty big purse. And that was an elevated event. So the way the PGA tour is trying to combat the whole live program is um, they took the top, I, I want to say something like the top 30 golfers and they had a big meeting. They had a couple big meetings, actually tiger was facilitating one of them. And they, they, as, as kind of the core group of the PGA tour committed to all playing in it's like 12 or 13 events in the year um, in addition to all of the majors. And so at these 12 events, um, it's going to be like 
a big draw for for viewers because yeah. you've got all of the top 30 golfers and it's not necessarily top 30 of the world it's the top guys that everybody talks about uh, big social media presence like the guys that everybody comes to see the most popular guys so waste management was, was one of those tournaments and okay. so that's why when you looked at the leaderboard through the four days co like constantly in the top 10 it was like eight names that you always want to see at the top and so it creates for you know, a yeah, lot of I exciting like i was checking in i was actually checking in on the weekend just to see what was going on on the espn app i didn't watch any of it but i was just checking the leaderboard and i and even i know i recognize the names right so I, that's interesting that you said that it, it kind of ma makes sense and it makes sense why they would do that um as well so oh my shoes two shows in one day noise nice to have you oh my shoes on the live stream let us know if you're uh, new to golf cards and uh, or if you want to chime in with a question on golf cards Mike will take it um, Paul just to, wants to keep going into some of some of the other sets that you want to before talk. we get into the other sets too I have to be fully honest when I talk about cards because you ask me um, if I if I who I think is a sleeper I, I have to tell you if I own the cards because otherwise I don't I don't agree with pump and dump yeah, I don't know. think our I don't <laughs> think our audience is big enough for that per se but like um, I will tell you I'll be fully honest I have the tier one versions of the RPAs for both Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin. So this is that okay, gold. Very nice. That's the gold level. These guys were not the the premium rookies for the sets. So these ones are numbered out of 25 instead of 10. Um, but some pretty cool patches with some design logos on them. Um, I have to say, I like the, those patches better than the one, the Tony Finau we just saw on eBay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so these guys also have numbered out of 149 versions, which would look a lot like the Tony Finau version. Makes sense um, that the, the 25 would have nicer patches. That's great. Yeah. So let's move on to SP game used. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think of what they called the RPA for that set. Um, for just for fun. Um, yeah, scroll through cardboard connection checklist here. Just so people can get an idea of what the set looks like. Um, uh, artifacts came in a hobby box with eight packs of like four or five cards per pack. So not a big hobby box, but at least you're ripping like a handful of packs. SP game used comes with just a single pack in a hobby box. So, um, in that pack, you're going to get like, I think one or two base cards, which you saw at the beginning of this checklist. And then you're going to get like three premium cards, which could be, you know, this, like this inked driver um, or one of these leaderboard autos that you see Kang's name on um, or like a dual patch or, or an autograph card. Um, now this one has some, some female golfers in it. I just saw Annika Sorenstam. So is this, you, and Nancy Lopez, is this unique to this set or do like, I don't mean to take us backwards in the show here, but to, is this the only set that has females in it or do they all? Uh... No, actually every single golf set is uh, both males and females. So okay. you'll have, I, I, I was going to say PGA and LPGA players, but it's, it's kind of funny now that we've got live and we've yeah. got the DP world tour, which used to be the European tour. Um, so you've got golfers from all over the world, different tours, both genders, um and and that's actually been the case since uh i believe 2001 upper deck golf was the first one where, where it had men and women and it, it's been like that ever since including the multi-sport sets so if you've got goodwin champions 
um, metal universe champions. Those ones you can get PMGs of, of lady golfers and men golfers as well. Very cool. I like that. So the RPA that I wanted to talk about didn't come up as you were scrolling that checklist. Um, oh, there it is. Perfect. So that's the Colin Morikawa one. So that card right there is, I guess it's called the first T rookies. And you can see next to Colin's arm, there's like a little, it's not a square. It's like a two sides with like a rounded edge. And that's where the patch is. Um, and yeah, I don't know. What do you think of the aesthetics of that one compared to the artifacts RPAs we were just looking at? I feel like, I'm glad you asked. I, I, I don't love the aesthetic as much. I mean, going back to the one, what, what was the exquisite? Is that part of, was that part of Goodwin's? Like Goodwin's yes. exquisite? That's Goodwin's. my favorite design that we've looked at so far. Um, I think that the the SP, uh, the one, um, I don't want to get this wrong. This one, this one's the game used. So the SP. Yeah. Um, so Artifacts was the first. Art, artifact. Yeah, the Artifacts I think would come in next for me. And then this one would be third. And and I think if I remember, so we've got this uh, Morikawa at, no, at nooffseason.com listed in the in the pricing data for his profile and i think this one sells for the least and my guess is because it's out of 299 rather than it, it you know it's not as it's it's higher serial numbered um i don't love the aesthetic as much um what i think would be cool like i don't know what the patches are i think to me the the boring patch would be like just like a cut of the shirt or something i feel like if yeah. there's if there's a a piece of the glove or if there's a, a a piece of like the the logo, like the Adidas logo, or if there's a something from the hat, um, if there's a ball marker anywhere that's actually been used, like those kinds of things. And I don't know. I mean, you you probably know off the top of your head if these kinds of things are even in there. Am I in the ballpark at all? Am I am I on the on the fringe? Yeah. No. 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 You're not too far off the green. Um, so the lower or the higher numbered parallels for RPAs are going to have just a cut of the shirt. It's just going to be a plain one. If you're lucky, the guy was wearing a two-tone shirt and they just happened to cut that patch along the seam. Right. Um, the lower number ones could have something fancy. So um, I've got a Matthew Wolf, this, this card, but the lower parallel number out of 10 with one of his shirt buttons on it. Um, there are some that have a golf glove and there's some that have a golf hat um i don't think they did any cleats um this year but um and then as you saw on the artifacts patches there's ones with logos which are in my opinion the coolest yeah. ones where you can see like letters and, and uh, or nike swooshes that kind of stuff um i totally agree with you in my opinion this is the kind of least aesthetic looking one um a little bit boring um, I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, the other thing to consider is that this is a sticker auto. So you can't totally tell looking at it, but it's like, yeah. and it's not great looking. It's got a sticker auto. It's like, for me, I'm only, I actually have two of the Matthew Wolf numbered out of tens because I'm a big Matthew Wolf collector, but I didn't spend a ton of money on them and it's my guy. And, you know, I already have his other RPA. So I wanted this one too. And somebody happened to have one and gave me a good deal. So it's like, you know, I, I'm all right with padding my collection with, uh, you know, creating like a rainbow type of situation. But if I were to buy one Matthew Wolf card, it would not be that that particular set or that card. Yeah, like I would rather pay 
you know, the 500 to $700 range for the Goodwin exquisite that we saw mm-hmm. and then whatever this might be two or $300. I, I'm not, I, I could be off on that. Um, I think this could actually be selling for in the range of like one to one fifty. So okay. yeah, that's so the I'm other thing is like, off. you know, some, and, and, and the exquisite doesn't come up very often too. Cause I, I kind of scan eBay quite often for, for that particular card. Um, and it only comes up once or twice a year. So if our listeners are are wanting to get into a Colin Morikawa auto card, they're not going to sit around like me as a golf enthusiast waiting for six months for hoping that one pops up. Um, probably better off buying his artifacts or his SP game used or better yet, his SP authentic um, rookie patch auto. Um, of course, there's tiers of pricing, so it, it depends on how much you're willing to spend. But I'm in agreement with you. Like, Let's just say you could get an SP Authentic Auto uh, RPA for, um, you know, a few hundred dollars. Um, that might be better for both collecting and investing than spending one hundred and thirty dollars on this particular card, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and I think I think like it depends on what your what your end game is. Like if you're if you're a collector and you just want a more and you're starting and and this is like your first purchase and you, and you know you want this card and you're going to hold it, then that's one scenario that doesn't apply to what I said. But when I'm, what I'm doing is looking to profit essentially off of each and every purchase I would make. And so mm. my thought is that, and I could be wrong, but Mike, if you're familiar at all with sort of baseball prospecting, like you've got Bowman Chrome first autos essentially are always going to sell and and that's going to get they're going to be far more expensive than like a tops rookie auto of the player but mm. your tops rookie auto uh it does is not going to have it's going to have a very 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 low ceiling and the Bowman Chrome first rookie like auto a bo- prospect auto is going to have an basically an unlimited ceiling and so if you're going to if you're going to bet on the player or the golfer in this case, you're going to want to buy the more desirable card because if you believe that the golfer is going to win tournaments and his prices are going to spike, then um, you really want the unlimited upside and not necessarily the the, the low ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, conversely, like if you don't, if even if you don't, or if you aren't sure how good the golfer is going to be, it's going to be that the higher end card is going to end up being more desirable. So it's almost like even though you're paying more money and you may pay two, three, four times the price, which to a new person entering in is going to seem like, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I just dip my toe in the water of this card, for example, out of 299. But the reality is like, if Morikawa in this case doesn't win another tournament or has, or struggles and his prices plummet for whatever reason, like the higher end card should actually stay up there in price to where you actually don't lose as much as you would lose. Like you're, you're, you have a higher floor also. Is what like what to. we were talking about with the DeChambeau card. It's yes. numbered out of 10. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. And, yep. and the other consistent thing with these sets that we're talking about today is that no, they don't just have the autographed and the RPAs that we're talking about. There are actually a lot of other insert. I don't know if inserts the right word, but like mm-hmm. subsets within the set with lots of different autos. Look, look at that Justin Thomas. There's inked fabrics. There's um, hole in one remnants. There's um, uh, I don't know. Actually, you know what? This is a good transition, Paul, because 
you were talking about, um, you know, this being, you know, the lower end one that might not be as investable, but out of these three sets, perhaps the most investable is SP Authentic. So maybe if you can pull up the SP Authentic um, checklist on, on Cardboard Connection, because um, SP Authentic has all of the original subsets that golf enthusiasts collected between 2001 and 2014. That's cool. They, they've got marks of distinction, sign of the times. They've got exquisite, actually. It's not as like clean looking and national treasures uh, styling as the one from Goodwin, but they do have like a, a beautiful exquisite. The one you're looking at there right there with Bryson DeChambeau is his base rookie auto. This base rookie auto is the right entry point for a card because it has a couple of tiers. So the the stars are, I believe, going to be numbered out of seven ninety nine. Uh, I don't know if you can zoom in or see that, but um, and then there's there's out of two ninety nine. Yeah, variants. this one's out of two ninety nine, right? Okay, here. so so I guess the 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 high the tier one got, got tier one players, Bryson Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau. Those guys are going to be numbered out of two ninety nine for their base, and then there's probably a lower numbered version as well. Um, and this design too, Mike, like I'm glad you, you took us here because compared to what we just saw with the game used, like we saw the Morikawa out of 299. This is a DeChambeau out of 299. To me, this SP authentic brand that we talked about earlier being like more recognizable because of basketball um, mm -hmm. and the design is just better. So I don't know what the price is, yeah. point is for the box, but in terms of buying singles, I'd probably go in this direction before the game used. Yeah, aesthetically, and also, um, as you said, uh, connections to basketball and other sports, and also traditional golf cards. Because between 2001 and 2014, all of the other golfers that maybe we're not talking as much about right now, but like Louis Oosthuizen, Dustin Johnson, um, uh, Gary Woodland, a lot of kind of like older guys that are actually still golfing and actually doing pretty well, um, they have rookie cards that match this styling. They're the, you know, SP authentic base rookie auto. And, you know, if you look at a DJ uh, rookie auto of, of this nature, um, even numbered out of 299, they're selling for like, like a thousand bucks. Like um, the buy it now, the cheapest buy it now, I, I think is between 12 and $1,500 US graded, you know, something like maybe like a BGS nine or something like that. And so um, DJ was number one in the world for a while. He's got some, you know, cool cultural, situations he married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. He's a bit of a bad boy, you know, has a, uh, kind of a reputation that maybe like to go partying and stuff. So not, not to the level of John Daly, but like, you know, he, he, he was kind of a really liked golfer. And so his cards stayed um, high in price and he's got some majors under, under his belt. He was so dominant to the masters. Um, anyways, that card you're showing there right now is the marks of distinction, Colin Morikawa. I think those are numbered out of 25 um i've got a really cool one of those cards with gary player from i think it was 2012. so if you get somebody like like me who's a collector and has like a gary player marks of distinction numbered out of 25 auto and i you know am wanting to prospect on colin or even just collect colin morikawa that's a card i might want because it's consistent with the rest of my collection 
Um, That's a great point. I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is something that would totally be over my head in terms of golf cards. And so for anyone listening or watching, I think this is uh, extremely valuable information where, where Mike's kind of helping us pair the ultra modern cards in the subsets with, with the, the history of golf cards, because certainly, certainly it applies. I mean, it's in terms of like the, just recognizability. I think when we, when we all find something we like in life, we kind of, we gravitate back to that. So I think that's a great point. So keep scrolling. There's a couple other cool autographs on here. So sign of the times, that's the dual sign of the times, but sign of the times is actually one of the most popular golf autograph sets before. And they're okay. Stop Here's your guy. Here's There's your my guy. guy. So that's that's that is the exquisite RPA. So we we actually went off a little bit off the rails talking just about autograph cards because there's also retro tribute autos, authentic moments autos, but none of them have the patch. And, and today I kind of wanted to focus on RPAs, rookie patch autos. Um, this one um, is like I think we should finish off talking about this this particular subset because. Um, out of all the, the cards we just talked about, I think the Rookie Patch Auto Exquisite Series is the most collectible and investable. Um, there's, I think, a Tony Finau of this exact card, which is listed for buy it now at like 199 US. So it doesn't have that clean, flawless National Treasures, you know, pure white with the Pokemon foil action photo. Um, you know, this one looks a little bit more like a golf card because it's got the green in the background and, you know, some other colors. But so, so, so Paul might not like it as much because it's <laughs> not as, you know, I do like this design though. But I this is a really cool design. Very nice. And they're, they're numbered out of 99, I believe. So that's pretty good scarcity. Um, that patch is kind of boring with the whatever, but you, some of them have Nike swooshes, multiple colors. Um, you, they're kind of hard to find in, in gem mint condition. So, um, you know, even if you get one at like an eight five, like I did on my Bryson, I feel like that's a pretty, pretty investable card. Yeah, this is a, this is a clean design. Um, and if I could get, if I could get a Nike swoosh hmm. on a golf, it would be like a Rory, maybe, I don't know. He would, he wouldn't have a rookie obviously, but Rory actually <laughs> hasn't been printed in, in recent sets. So his, okay. his newest he card in here. Yeah, he he wasn't even printed in some recent Goodwin sets either. Okay. I think I think the newest Rory McIlroy card you can get is from 2014, and it's kind of upsetting because um, up until this last weekend, he was you know the number one golfer in the world. So, um, yeah, actually, so I'm glad I'm glad that that is uh, where we are right now because I wanted to ask you. So there's Tiger, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously. And I mean, and, and we talk about Colin and, and some of these other guys that have some name recognition um, and a little have had a little bit of hype around them because of kind of winning some big tournaments at a young age. Do you, I mean, I'm not asking if you think there's going to be another Tiger Woods, but I'm asking if you think that there's going to be another golfer that helps golf's popularity to more of the masses or more of the mainstream and maybe that maybe it's not a golfer per se, but maybe it's uh, something in just culture in general. Like maybe it's the the sports books, right? Because you know more and more people are into golf for different reasons. And I'm wondering if you think that there's a 
a golfer or a reason to buy say because because you mentioned like this being the most investable this exquisite collection um card that we're looking at for matthew wolf right now what do you think the upside is you know for for golf cards and this can be something that we we go into we talk about in future episodes as well yeah, yeah. um so one one thing to pay attention to is the trends of the market um you know i'm not gonna you know say one my opinion one way or the other about another uh, podcast or sports card radio but they announced uh in a video a couple days ago they were they were you know combating what people are saying about the market that the market hit its bottom and it's on the way up now whether or not that's the case i don't know but they did cite specifically that golf cards and um, another kind of niche sport were the only ones in the last month that had an uptick in price um is that because the netflix series is coming out is that because we're just starting the golf season um is and 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 the elevated events are starting the masters is is you know less than two months away um so i i, I don't know exactly why but the golf card index so to speak mm -hmm. has been going up in recent months um so so that's a good sign yeah for um, sure but in terms of kind of like a, a qualitative answer like what you know what's going on um you know I, I i don't i don't really know um what what it would take to hit the masses i mean i'm an enthusiast for golf and, and golf cards so for me i'm just looking for new products new golfers new stuff to collect invest flip etc um but for joe blow on the street who doesn't really follow golf i don't i don't know if they necessarily will um the golf world's also been shaken up lately because of live uh it, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch this netflix series that comes out in two days it's coming out on wednesday february 15th i think they're going to release an installment so that might only actually be the first episode but regardless i've convinced my wife to watch it with me so so that i know i actually have time to it. watch it yeah and um and so I don't know what watch the Netflix series and, and kind of come up with a case for yourself because um, you know maybe maybe it just takes some entertainment like watching a show for for more people to get into golf and golf cards um, so the, the way that it was shaken up though um, some big names were taken away from the PGA tour and it, it created a lot of stress on viewership because having these big game big names not participating in kind of average tour events anymore meant that they had to kind of like scrounge up some up-and-coming golfers and build them up to be the next big thing or else who wants to watch a tournament where nate lashley and sahith Tagala and and adam hadwin are like the guys fighting to win the turn it's like someone like me's interested but everybody else is going to say i'll pass i'll just wait for the masters to come on um so you know some of the big names we lost were phil mickelson ian poulter who draws a big european crowd bubba watson who has a big crowd from southern usa uh kevin na who draws a big asian crowd uh brooks kepka the the major slayer who won you know two u.s opens in a row like he's got like four or five majors as a modern golfer that's 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 crazy um dustin johnson sergio garcia abraham answer so the mexican uh viewer base isn't going to be watching the pga tour because that's their guy so 
Um, oh, uh, who's the other guy? There's a there's a South American that lived got so uh, who so you know we lose South America in uh, watching the PGA Tour. So, um, you know maybe maybe if Live really takes off, then uh, the golf cards are um, tour um, independent. So it's like the cards are going right. to do well yeah. if the guys are successful on live. So that's one thing I, I would actually like to see live be successful for the success of golf cards. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and so something I'll also mention before we sign off, some of the guys that did stick around on the PGA who are supposed to be featured in the series um, that I think might be worth looking into um daniel berger who's a guy that's been injured for a little while on and off for a couple of years but he was rookie of the year like maybe six years ago um so he's a guy i know can win um cameron champ another guy who came out as a long hitter and um, i think that collectors sort of like in baseball like if someone's kind of setting themselves apart from the field hitting it long uh, yeah. it draws a bit of a crowd and and he's still a really young guy like in his early 20s i think he could do well um, Tony Fina, we've already talked a lot about, um, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Tommy Fleetwood, I think could actually become really successful, but they don't have golf cards. So not worth talking about in this conversation. Are we looking at sports illustrated for kids at some point? <laughs> you know what, actually that, that's a play. There are golf collectors that really, uh, do. We'll do a whole episode noticed, on Sports Illustrated. I noticed Scheffler's, uh, Sports Illustrated for Kids, uh, like 2017 or something were selling after the win last this past weekend and and they were selling um this time last year when he was winning four out of six tournaments yeah. and he won the the masters, the masters those, yeah. those sports sports illustrated for kids um were definitely a card to have um you know some other like victor Hog, hovland is another guy who doesn't have cards so you have to go after his sports illustrated for kids but he does have a glow have you ever heard of super glow cards no i haven't just when we when we finish up here just go to ebay and type in super glow Victor Hovland or Super Glow Golf. Um, it's kind of like a startup company that started within okay. the last year or two who's making. And they actually have some random golfers in other sports as well. Um, and they actually have sold. So you can got, you can buy his autograph. There's a sticker auto and, and they're selling for over $100. It's um, kind of like, like Onyx. Like we talk, we've talked on the Sports Card Strategy Show about Onyx autos for guys like Shadur Sanders in football and stuff like that. So that's interesting. So uh, then, I mean, like, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. The, there's two more guys I'll mention before we sign off. Xander Shoffley doesn't have any cards, but you could pick up his Sports Illustrated for kids because I think he's going to be a popular guy in, in the show. Um, and then last but not least, Jordan Spieth was – he was slated to be like the next Tiger when he was you know, I remember. 18 like, to 21 years old or whatever. 2015, he kind of, 2016. And he fell off the face of the world, but then he came back and won a couple tournaments. He's in, coming back into good form. And he doesn't have any proper golf cards, but he's got uh, a Topps Chrome first pitch card. And I've actually been oh, okay. buying and selling those. I've actually had some success flipping his Topps Chrome refractor card. And some of, he has some numbered parallels of that as well. And um, the other thing he has is a Beckett promo from i think it's the 2016 national where he's holding one of his major um trophies and that's another card that you know in a i i think i spent 20 or 25 bucks on a psa 9 um so psa 10 could could be worth some money if if they are out there but um 
nobody's going to be the next tiger. That's how I'll end yeah. this is there's nobody that's going to break into the, the general population like tiger did yep. for the foreseeable yep. future. But it seems like golf cards are, uh, are healthy and the market mm -hmm. is healthy and uh, we're excited about golf season getting going here. So again, we got the Genesis invitational this weekend where tiger slated to play. We've got the Netflix series full swing coming up that's all this week uh mike where can people find you i think it's it's a at golf underscore card underscore collector on instagram is that correct and where else can they find you what else you got going on yeah that's correct golf card collector with the underscores um mike lacusta on facebook i'm running the uh, golf card and memorabilia facebook group we've got 1500 plus members and growing um and then yeah if anybody has any great golf cards out there hit me up on instagram if you're not on instagram my email address is hole in one golf cards at gmail.com and always looking for for purchases and trades and and selling as well awesome great work mike we're gonna be back with golf card strategy show episode three soon so we'll keep you guys updated on that uh don't forget you can go premium free for a year at nooffseason.com we're gonna add more golf card uh player profiles in there um based on this episode most likely since mike did a phenomenal job dropping some knowledge uh email me at paul at nooffseason.com to find out how everybody thanks so much for watching and listening to golf card strategy show episode two with my guy mike lacusta could not do this couldn't even come close to doing this without him um let us know how you think we did uh you can tweet at me at no offseason card drop a comment below hit me up on instagram at sports card strategy or hit up mike at golf underscore card underscore collector everybody thanks so much have a great day